NWA going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tonight. Now, I know that's not rock and roll, as most of you tend to use the term, but it's it's not without precedent. There's lots of rap artists, hip-hop artists, who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Our friend Alan Cross, you hear here on 680 CJOB with the history of new music, joins us from Toronto. And Alan, I guess, you know, NWA, if you can put the Beastie Boys in, NWA's got to go too. Well, we have the same sort of issue that we had when MTV first signed on, which was supposed to be album rock and pop for television. But you can't do that in a multicultural society, and you can't do that where you have um, so many different types of music available to the music consumer. So while the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame may have started as just rock and roll, it quickly moved on to other things. I think that was always their, their, their position, because without rhythm and blues, without blues, without uh, uh, gospel, without all, country music, without all that other stuff, you wouldn't have had rock and roll in the first place. Right, because rock, rock and roll is kind of a mongrel, right? It's a, it's Rock and roll is a music that was kind of put together out of spare parts. Pretty much. Uh, starting in, in the late 1940s, early 1950s, uh, you had country, hillbilly, uh, western, which was different from country. Uh, you had folk, you had rhythm and blues, uh, you had blues, and a whole bunch of other things just sort of coming together, first with Bill Haley and then with Elvis Presley, and then eventually by the end of the 1950s, you had this this thing that uh, apparently wasn't going to be much of a fad. It was going to be a long-term thing. And and then it just grew from there. Yeah, you can sort of hear those those roots if you go back, like you say, late 40s, early 50s, to Bill Doggett and Winoni Harris and Bull Moose Jackson and all those guys who never got on white radio. But that's that's where it all came from. All right, so rather than go do too much of the history, when we, we understand that it's much broader. It's not just a rock and roll hall of fame. That's what it's called, but much broader. The question becomes, Alan, about the how political this organization seems to be. I mean, when, when, you know, when some of the almost insignificant girl groups of the 1960s are in the Hall of Fame, you know, or somebody like Wanda Jackson is in the Hall of Fame before Steve Miller or Deep Purple or Cheap Trick or Chicago, who are all going in tonight, there, there's something kind of cockeyed about that, isn't there? Well, it is an old boys club, and it is mostly guys that are doing the voting on the Rock and Roll Induction Committee. There is a certain amount of public input that's allowed, but it's weighted very, very low. So it's, it is very political because everybody has their own agenda. Everybody has their own reasons for getting their acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's very prestigious. I mean, I, I really don't see the big deal about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's pretty institutionalized for a form of art that's supposed to be rebellious, um, but it has become <laughs> yeah, yeah, let let us not forget that rock and roll at its core is all about rebellion, and this is the most conservative state organization this side of the Augusta Country Club. It pretty much is, and when you guys and you have people like Jan Wenner, who is the publisher of Rolling Stone, you know, being one of the the architects of this whole thing, you know that there is going to be a uh, a vibe, an attitude, an agenda to to keep it within the vision of the founders and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has been around for a very long time. So the original, the, most of the founders are still there, and they're both, you know, they're all trying to, to shape it in their image. You talk about it being political. I mean, if you look at just the logo, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you'll see that uh, it is spelled R-O-C-K in bold letters, and then the A and the D of and are kind of grayed out, yeah. and then you have R-O-L-L again in bold letters. So I was thinking, you know, how much committee work, how many meetings had to be conducted 
to create this compromise between how you spell rock and roll for the logo. Do you spell it with the <laughs> and intact in the middle, or do you spell it with the two commas in place of the of the A and the D? And that'll tell you everything you need to know about the Rock and Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I guess the, you can't argue against any of this year's inductees, can you? That they're all they're all. I mean, based on previous inductees, they're all worthy. I I, yeah. I don't know about you, Alan. I'm one of those guys when it comes to halls of fame, whether it's sports or music or whatever. You, I'm I'm one of those guys who thinks that practically nobody should be in there, right? I think if if you have to discuss it for more than three minutes, the answer is no. Well, the other thing that's happened is that this has become a big TV broadcast for HBO. Right. So they need to have something, someone to induct every year so they can do this broadcast. And it's not just about honoring the acts. It's about how we're going to make money from HBO on this. Yeah. So And how, how and, and, we need a diverse lineup, too. It, that's exactly where I was going. You need a diverse lineup. You have to have something for everybody. So as a result, uh, and you know, it's the right thing to do to have a diverse lineup because, like we said, rock and roll is is, is a mongrel form of music. You have to represent everybody that's that that is even you know uh, slightly associated with the genre, slightly related to the genre, because that's the that's the right thing to do. But um, again, you know, you look at this whole idea of of the TV show, and you wonder when they're casting their final ballots for the inductees. Now, anybody who has released an album at least 25 years ago is eligible. So there are now there are hundreds and hundreds of acts that are, are, are eligible. So you wonder which are the ones that are going to make the cut this year. Well, they're the ones that are probably going to make a good TV show, and they're the ones that are going to drive attendance at the Hall of Fame in Cleveland. <laughs> so... You know, it becomes I'm a cynical about this whole thing, aren't I? Well, yeah, well, I am too. I got I have to confess, Alan, I am too that this whole thing when I started to look at the roster of some of the people who've been inducted over the years, I I get some of the people uh who were kind of the precursors to rock and roll. I mean, people like Little Willie John and people like that who were not strictly speaking rock and roll artists, but without those guys there would be no rock and roll, is the argument that you made or, you know, a Pete Seeger or whoever, but I you know, I wonder why for example, a band like Yes can't get in, or why it took uh, Rush as long as it did, or why Daryl Hall and John Oates took forever to get in when, you know, there were people who are, you know, when Floyd Kramer is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, as a sideman, or, the, you know, the, uh, bad example. But there are a whole lot of examples that we, we can all point to of people, you know, like the Righteous Brothers are in there. Hall and Oates had to wait another twenty years or twenty five years to get in there. It just th- there's an inconsistency about it that I, oh, I find sure troubling. Is. That that is really detracted from its credibility. Well, we'll see what Canada does going forward because we have the National Music Center in Calgary opening up later this year, and that will be the home of the Canadian Mu- Music Hall of Fame, not the Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. And we tend to, if you saw the Junos last weekend, we tend to induct people one. At a time, so it was Burton Cummings' turn this last time, right. and that's maybe the way to do it because you keep the membership small and exclusive, and it's reserved for people who actually made a difference, right. a huge difference. Yeah. So, Burton Cummings, absolutely, you know, unquestionable. You know, yep. Rush, all, all those bands, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but once you lower the bar, it's like a sports hall of fame, right, Alan? Once you put Bert Olmsted in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you've you've now forever lowered the bar. Well, you know, I, I I live in Toronto, and I and I go past the Hall of Fame all the time, 
And I, I know who's in there for, and I remember there's so many times where I've gone in, in June when they do the, the abductions. It was like, really? Yeah. Him? <laughs> when when Dick Duff and Bob Pulford and Bert Olmsted are in there as players, that, you know, that, that's kind of lowered the bar. I mean, I always think, do these guys belong beside Howe and Gretzky and Orr and Beliveau and the Rocket? I mean, do they belong in that company? And if not... Like I say, I think, and the the same one I would argue for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you have to discuss it for more than about four minutes, the answer should be no. It should yeah, be it I should be an right. automatic. Should we have Chuck Berry in there? Absolutely. Automatic. Should we have Ray Charles in there? Absolutely. Right. Should we have Led Zeppelin in there? You yeah. bet. How about Bill Withers? Uh, uh, now you start getting, <laughs> you know, and you get down to Cheap Trick. I mean, when Cheap Trick were around, the very first concert I saw was at the Winnipeg Arena in 1977. Cheap Trick opened for Kiss. Yeah. And uh, Cheap Trick had a number of, you know, power pop hits for the next four or five years. And then they just kind of disappeared. Yeah. I, I, when I saw that they were voted in, and I granted they, they had a certain amount of influence on, on a number of bands that came later, yeah. but are they Rock and Roll Hall of Fame material? Yeah, marginal. Uh, you know, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's a pretty marginal pick. It, it depends on where your bar is. And, and I guess, you know, if you have to have so many people coming in every year and you have all these people nattering at you about, uh, you know, my act has to get in or, or we need it for the TV show or we need it for attendance, then it gets, you kind of get worn down. And Well, that's a, a, the, inter- the interesting thing about this is that people get put forward and there's that, that kind of core of rock and roll Hall of Fame people like Smokey Robinson and Robbie Robertson who, who wield enormous influence. And, and if... If Paul McCartney calls up and says, I think somebody should be in, th- then they get in. Yeah, that's probably true. It, yeah. Again, it's very shadowy. It's not very transparent. And whoever is on the induction committee are the people who are calling the shots, and, and we'll, they'll, they'll let in yeah. who they want to let but in. It, but having said all that, Alan, it's always fun to watch the jams at the end of the show. I guess. Uh, it's interesting to see who shows up, but it's even more interesting to see who doesn't, who doesn't? show up. <laughs> Like Alan Cross fight with Deep Purple this week, so yeah. we'll see. <laughs> Alan Cross, history of new music. You hear him here on 680 CGOB. Great to chat music with you, Alan. Thanks.